0: Welcome to the Rhetorical Leadership Podcast, where we explain what you need to know to give a persuasive and compelling speech, and how you can lead people by persuasion. I'm joined today by uh, by Vida Top, who is a cert- certified master trainer for Vital Smarts, and uh, has given uh, trainings in over 27 countries around the world, pref- uh, primarily in Europe and in the Middle East. And uh, he gives presentations on helping people to communicate better in their workplace, organizations, and personal life. He is an engaging speaker and is passionate about changing human behavior for the better. And currently, he is uh, conducting a research project on board member behavior in the boardroom. So welcome, Idar.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) So I've had the privilege of experiencing... uh, your inspirational power, say it that way. <laughs> and uh, if there's anything that people that know you would say about you is that you are on fire a lot, <laughs> not literally, but uh, <laughs> but uh, metaphorically, uh, and that uh, you're a very very passionate person. Just put your heart into heart and soul into just about everything that you do. Uh, so, what is it that drives you? What is it that um, gives you you know, like sometimes you run out of energy. What gives you really the kind of the energy to continue? What makes you so excited about these things?
1: Although a lot it's of more, people would probably say that. Did I? Someone probably say that that it's because I eat food, <laughs> simply <laughs> because that's uh, one way, one very simple way to gain energy, right? But uh, and I am a great lover of uh, both um, uh, food and uh, anything that uh, that tastes good, but. Um, uh, when it comes to, to energy as from, um, from deep passion, I, I think one of the things, the experiences that I had in early, early youth was to, to have the privilege of listening to great speakers and, and wanting to do the same. Um, I don't really know why. It's, uh, it's been a deep uh, desire within me for, for many years, ever since I, I uh, experienced great speaking. And just the, the longing or the, the the desire to inspire other people in, in the same way that I've been inspired. I'm, I'm sure you know what I can... Mm, what I, because you, t-
0: you tell it made a difference, right? It's uh, yeah. something yeah. that does something to you, not just... Uh, um, yeah. I guess uh, the best ones are the ones that aren't just kind of a momentary pleasure. It can always be pleasurable to listen to great speaking, you know, just uh, just speaking technique no matter what they speak about. Uh, But uh, those that really kind of uh, move you to change behavior also kind of persuade you. uh, Those are the ones that where you feel that they've given you a gift, right? So that's, you kind of, you can build on that.
1: Uh, That's it. You nailed it. That's the combination of inspired in the moment and changed for the future is probably what we're talking about here. Um, I mean, for
0: speaking in general, you can do that for better or worse, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's a great motivator. Like, pe- really good speaking is a great motivator, obviously, but uh, people have used it for for good and bad in the history of humanity. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it's interesting to see how uh, some speakers, they will inspire
1: in the moment, but then when you've left the room or the experience itself, you realize, you know, what is it really that this person left me with? And if it's not really significant or of real substance, then you lose in the, in the long run, I think. It
0: mm. becomes yeah. kind of cheap entertainment, I guess what we could say. Yeah. So uh, I have, obviously, I'm teaching these students uh, in uh, this uh, course called uh, Speaking Business English. Uh, and uh, we focus on the genre of the business presentation. Mm. Um, and what their job is, uh, part of their job is to uh, to present a convincing case uh, to a, a board or a, a CEOs or other people that are supposed to sponsor a business. Um, and with your research, both with your experience as being part of mem- many boards um, and your research that you're conducting on board member behavior in the boardroom, what are some uh, advice you could give to my students as, as they prepare for this for this task?
1: Well, uh, one of the things that we know about uh, influencing people is that uh, uh, it needs to begin with somewhere deep inside uh, a passionate desire to do well. And um, I think the best advice Ever is, is to be authentic. If, if you're real, if you are not trying to be someone else, but really trying to be yourself and to use the gifts or the, the human endowments that you've been uh, given, uh, you will discover that, that all the capabilities, the, the characteristics and the attributes that you need to, to persuade someone uh, are already within you. And so passion will bring that uh, to fruition. It will come out by you being passionate that's my it's
0: interesting that's uh with the the ted talks book that i'm also using for the course um that's also what they say is that their their thesis is that there's some people that are naturally more gifted at speaking than others but everyone can be a good speaker and the key or the key at the beginning is authenticity because it's it's just very very hard to fake um connection Mm. with an audience um and uh it's if you know how to to speak to another person, you have the beginnings uh, of being a speaker to an audience. Yes, mm. that's the that's their thesis.
1: And this is also, I think, where we come back to to pathos, ethos, and logos. Right? It, it's the 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 basics of what uh, Aristotle and and you know many of the others, the great uh, speakers and thinkers gave us in in from the very beginning, early ages of speaking. Right.
0: So if you just begin, so you begin with that. Okay, first of all, try to be yourself. Find your own style. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps think about times when you have been persuasive in the past, and see if something similar could work again. But uh, then beyond that, so that's kind of your your starting that gets you gets you going at the beginning. Um, right, and then how do you go about finding out? Uh, okay, so how to actually. Change another person. I got to have the style. Obviously, I got to have you know my arguments. But uh, how do I make that connection? How to make something convincing to them that seems convincing to me? Yeah, and, and I
1: guess the, the second step then would be uh, if you are truly passionate about what you're doing, and and you have that the, the authentic feeling of wanting to do good. You, there needs to be a, a, a healthy a uh, noble agenda if you will if you're doing it for the wrong purposes you're going to fail right
0: well i mean a lot of people have succeeded that way but uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's true that's uh, uh, we're really talking about succeeding in the right in the in the, right, the right, right. so
0: more normative necessarily than necessarily descriptive yeah mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and so uh, the the second step would would probably be in my experience is is the relationship that you have with the other person mm. so if if um, uh, we're talking about the emotional connection that we have among ourselves, uh, and I think that's really important. Of course, this is very much in line with with uh, passion, but
0: I think it's a separate issue altogether. And uh, we're talking about ethos here. How I mean, you a lot of people can be passionate about their own things, but not able to make a connection yes. or, or emotional connection with other people, right?
1: Yes, and that's the, that's the thing we're talking about here is how can we make this contagious? How can we make this spread? How can we make this? Uh, resonate with other people, and we're talking about ideas here, not COVID. Just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. And then, then, the third step, I think, if, if we're gonna separate this in three steps, um, after you're being passionate, after you've been able to emotionally connect with the other person, it also matters how you do it, how you say it, how you communicate uh, purely from a technical point of view, what words you're using, what sequence you are using, um, those matter as well.
0: Hmm. Do you have uh, anything specific that you'd like to uh, point out there? As far as, uh, I mean, because that's obviously the whole field of rhetoric right now, right? But uh, but uh, from your experience, what, what are some things, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you've, you mentioned, for example, questions are very important and knowing how to uh-huh. use those. Uh, yes.
1: So I think there, there are three layers to this. Uh, the, the first layer um, starts with, in many ways, your, your passion becomes, from, becomes your position. Um, and, and with that, I say, um, let's say you're, you're a salesperson or you're in the boardroom or you need to convince someone, influence someone to a particular type of stance or a, a decision. Uh, the first step would naturally be to, to strengthen your own position. Uh, that's a that's a big topic. It could be your title, uh, but you know, most of us we don't we don't change our titles overnight. Uh, so it would be anything that gives you a good position. Maybe maybe uh, like we've talked about before, uh, David, uh, things that you know, or or even uh, science, or something that gives can strengthen your your uh, arguments. Right. So you I
0: mean, marshal your your evidence, your forces, the, what what are, what things are backing? Yes. Your point, say it that way. Mm
1: -hmm. I think those are a very important standpoint uh, from which you can leverage a a lot of power. So your position needs to be strong. And secondly, I think the network. Can you bring people along? So let's say you want to convince five people in the room. Um, Can you convince even just one other person in the room before
0: trying to convince the other four? Um, It gives you added power as well. Mm -hmm. So then perhaps having some private conversations with them trying mm-hmm. to seek out good moments to, to bring up these things. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. And in a sales perspective, this would be me calling, let's say I will speak with Steven and I will say to Stephen, listen, I was speaking to Anne this morning. She says that I should be speaking with you. That that's a, just that little edge that will will give you uh, added power from network and knowing people.
0: Right. So, uh, I mean, don't want to get too much into sales here, but obviously that's what they say is nothing, nothing's worse than a cold call, right? So anything, any kind of connection you can make, whatever it is, is better than a cold call, which is, hi, I'm a complete stranger. I'm calling you about this.
1: Mm. right? This, this is what we're talking about, references, you know, the, the by recommendations. This is why um, um, in, in uh, elections they will seek endorsements. This is what we're talking about, right? And then lastly, when we're talking about um, the, the tactics, this is when one instance, one example of this might be questioning skills. It's, uh, it's you as the facilitator in a, in a communication or a dialogue where you will discuss using rhetorical principles to convince other people. And questions are substantial mm. uh, in this respect.
0: Of course, that requires some, that there is a possibility for some feedback and some back and forth and that they are willing to participate.
1: Mm. and you know the science of, of questions is a uh, is, is huge uh, I, I've written an uh, authored a book on this and, and it's it's uh, one of the things that I feel strongly about because as you say uh, when you use questions one of many um, dynamics is that people will participate and when they participate they will feel ownership
0: mm-hmm. so what kind of questions are I guess that's uh, uh, you know, not to go like too deep into here, but mm. so say I want to convince a board that a certain investment is worth it. Um, obviously, they'll be skeptical because investment—they always want to kind of try to hold on to the money, right? Um, right? What kind of questions can I can I use to perhaps open up their perspective or make them convince themselves? I guess is what what the goal is, right? With good questions.
1: Yes. So if, you know, a person persuaded against his will is of the same opinion still, right? This is Dale Carnegie. Um, and, and this is um, the the principles, principle that we're after here is to help people have go through an experience where they themselves realize or discover the benefits of uh, the best solution. And I think if, if you're doing questions well, you're not simply... Um, manipulating or coercing people into a path that you yourself have decided upon before the conversation, but you're going along, you're having a conversation and an experience together with the other person where you also yourself uh, will be convinced by the, the collective perspective, if you will.
0: I mean, it sounds really, that sounds, uh, you know, obviously it sounds great and it becomes this co-creation Mm. rather than perhaps uh, per se persuasion. Yes. Um we, but o- obviously um from <laughs> in some settings that may be hard to simulate in that sense mm. but yeah so so I guess you want them to try to take some of the journey that you've taken along yeah. with you. Right try to try to because there must mm. have been some question that prompted you to find the solution exactly. in, in the first place. Uh, um,
1: and as, and instead of presenting the solution too quickly, which will only cause you to fail, the best thing is to have have them at least experience some of the journey that you yourself have been on, right? Um, and there, are, there's you know, there's a lot of research been done into questioning skills and techniques. Um, one could be uh, spin, which is S P I N, uh, an abbreviation or an acronym to help us remember that. Uh, a useful or productive sequence of questioning skills might be situation questions, that's S, and then P for problem questions, and then I for implication questions, and N for need payoff questions, which is what uh, Neil Rackham and uh, Linda Marsh gave us in the in the late 1980s and early 1990s in, in their research.
0: So could you give me just an example of perhaps each of those? Um, hmm. I don't know if if applied to a situation like this.
1: Yeah, so this is something that you might spend three days going through because it's a it's a, it's a huge topic. Right. And what, the extent just, what what
0: is a situation question? What what is a situation question supposed to do?
1: Yeah, the, the short version of of these four types of questions. Uh, situation questions are what is naturally perceived among people as being. Um, a normal beginning of a conversation. You would you would not move into the other types of questions before you've uh, shown them a certain type of courtesy of being interested in them. And also, situation questions are the simple questions. So, how are you today? Um, how many people work here? Uh, would you tell us a little bit about your your current strategy? Uh, what are some of the things that uh, that you are spending a lot of time on? Those are. Those are the natural beginning questions
0: okay so it's uh, it's more its function as an introductor introduction is is, is that right that, that uh-huh. that's that's what defines these this question type
1: that would be a typical uh, way to describe them okay. and then if you spend too much time on situation questions people easily get bored yeah, yeah because this
0: becomes a kind of trivial conversation yeah.
1: yeah and that's that's really the the interesting part of, of anyone that's skilled within uh, persuasion or uh, bringing people um, to have a fruitful dialogue is to move fairly quickly into questions that have relevance and that causes the other person to think about things that they didn't think of before, uh, which would probably be uh, problem questions to begin with.
0: So yeah, so problem questions, what uh, what are they defined by, what, uh, what do they do?
1: Typically, problem questions, they, they contain one or more phrases that are related to pain. So uh, the word problem itself is a pain-related word. Uh, what problems are you experiencing today or these days,
0: right? What What do you find difficult, right? What do you find difficult or what is what is hurting your business, those kind of things?
1: those those kinds of things and so all all questions that uh, so almost all formulate.
0: discomfort is kind of or some kind of discomfort or obstacle yes. or being being prevented from something it yes. is, kind of, is so to, in order to come to their perhaps their needs their their challenges yes their interests yeah
1: uh-huh. exactly and, and and sometimes you might even use the word challenge even though that's more positively. Uh, I, I
0: see. It, you know, nowadays, the challenge has become a euphemism for really bad things. Very often, right? So It's a challenge. <laughs> it's like, yes, I'm, uh, I, I, I am, uh, I am uh, morbidly challenged. Meaning, I'm, I'm dying.
1: Then, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're talking about. We're, we're trying to help the other person to open up about things that they are not happy with, right? Because in the Whether sales, it's
0: part- for the person, or it's for the company,
1: right? Yes, for the person or the company. Uh, it might even be even be for for uh, partners, for vendors, for clients, for customers, uh, any surrounding person or factor that that relates to this, right? Mm-hmm. And and the, the the purpose of this is to help that person uh, re-experience or to feel or to discover more pain than they might even be aware of in the moment.
0: Right. So make so- make it make it. Open the wound open the wound a little bit maybe yes yeah. uh, so and and
1: and doing so with a caring mind right if you if you're doing this from a sheer manipulative cynical,
0: yeah. yes. I, like, I, this I, I, exactly this is kind of where I'm saying like you know like there's yes. a, lo- a lot of groups that take advantage of those kind of things right yeah. oh, tell yeah. me where you're hurting what's the problem how can we yeah uh, it just feels but, insincere yeah yeah but uh well it doesn't have to feel insincere but it can definitely be manipulative right but uh, uh but say, say for in a presentation where the students aren't able to get direct feedback, you mm. could make this into a rhetorical question that, yeah. you know, becomes, okay, so if you, mm. we have to ask ourselves, what is the single greatest thing that stands in the way of us being successful as a company? Or yeah. what is the single greatest uh, greatest uh, thing that's hurting us in the market right now? exactly uh, and instead of getting the response you can just use it as a rhetor- rhetorical question It's like well obviously this is it and we all know it um, and hmm. but but then you've again brought it made it present for them
1: yeah and this is this is where you can relate to, uh maybe a, an example that you've prepared beforehand maybe even the best example would be, be to, to have someone in the room uh have, shared this with you and where you can cite others in the room instead of yourself.
0: Right, like to like you just told me in our conversation last week that you know we we are getting massacred in the in this market or we're getting we we are bleeding. <laughs> we are bleeding, you know I mean? ble- bleeding customers in the in the in the uh in the sector. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Or, or or, uh, Mary, you told me last week that you are losing employees over this and, you know, very specific examples where, where um, you are finding support in the room.
0: Right. Because again, then you get them, you get their attention, you get them emotionally involved um, in, you know, in a correct way, since this is something that is actually things, you're not pulling up, you know, past (laughs) tragedies or anything like that, but you could, you're, Making the current pain visible. Yeah, that yeah. exactly.
1: Okay. And then once you've once you've tapped into problems and the other person responds with regards to this, then you might move into implication questions, which is which would be your third stage. Okay. Uh, this is where you ask about implications. That is, what are the consequences of these problems persisting over time? So this is uh, this is me or you trying to help the other person um, expand the problem to to see the the not only the the ramifications of the first but also of the latter or the extended version of that problem.
0: I mean, say it, it is a little bit opening the wound to see how it, how bad it's festering, right?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, once you've reached the stage where this person uh, or these people in the room. Uh, can understand or realize or agree that this, yeah, this might be a, a really serious problem. Then would be the time to make the switch, uh, as we say, and and that's uh, turning to need payoff questions. These are these are questions that are not negatively focused, for, but but uh, positively aimed. Um, it's it's me asking, okay, so if this is your problem or our problem, what would be a possible solution? What's the what's the need or the payoff? Uh, to solve this issue,
0: right? What would what would we get out of it? Kind of thing. Now, yeah. Um,
1: and this is where they will uh, begin to uh, explain from their own point of view, or brainstorm uh, as a group what might uh, be the proper solution to the existing challenges.
0: So this is this is where I would uh, again, from for my students, uh, so just start. Uh, hello, how are you all feeling today? This is my name and this is our group and we've been uh, doing some research here. Uh, and I'd uh, just like to first ask you a question just to think about what is the single thing that is hurting us most in the market right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's something that seems quite obvious or, or if you want to say just in the market, you can say what is hurting us most uh, with um, repeat customers, right? Uh, just uh, And if you want to be more specific and it's not obvious that this is, the single biggest thing. Um, and then say, okay, and then if we keep on this trajectory, how will we do compared to our competitors? Uh, mm. That would be more kind of the implication. Mm. And then the need payoff is so, well, uh, so how can we fix this? What, what, what can we do right now to mm. a quickest possible and in the most effective way bring us back to where we want to be?
1: And Then, if you really wanted to go for the the kicker in this, you could do the same as you've done with the problem questions and extend it with positive implications or positive consequences, and say, okay, right. now suppose so, have so this solution, then what would happen?
0: Okay, so now? that's kind of building the vision, right? Saying, yes. okay, yes. so for example, you could say, well, there was actually a company that had the same problem that we had, um, mm-hmm. and or organization that had the same thing that we had, and this is the thing that they did, and These these are the current um, results that they can show, Mm. and the uh, the this is their trajectory that they're on right now. This is what we want, right? Mm. Exactly. Kind of building the dream a little bit.
1: And then the science of this, uh, specifically, is found. You know, during all through statistical empirical testing, that uh, if you've done so well you probably will have a solution that fits exactly what, what the other people in the room have articulated. So, uh, and that would be, uh, making, um, uh, a statement, a benefit statement that helps them to see that the solution that you have in mind would actually be the best fit. Uh, I mean, we're very close to sales now. Um, right. Some of the research that has been done on this, in this field also, um, highlights that the spin model might not always be the perfect way to go about, uh, you know, pitching
0: I mean, or <clears throat> some. I would say, just in general, this <clears throat> is what uh, Perelman says about, you know, rhetorical models or other models too, or uh, characterizations of different, you know, uh, art types at different times in history, that <clears throat> these characterizations are more useful than universally true. Yes, absolutely.
1: And so it's a wonderful way to put it because uh, what we've found is that uh, if, if a person is uh, solution oriented, it's very difficult to involve that person in talking about problems because they will only look at the world from a positive perspective um so being you know sensitive to this as a a, an influencer you may want to check your feedback on the first few problem questions if that person just doesn't tap into the negativity of problems problems and and uh challenges then you may want to adopt a different um, path altogether
0: Mm. so it depends again this comes back to it's so important to know your audience right it's it's um because we operate in different ways, and uh, even though there are some things we have in common, there's, uh, you know, we we all function in in different ways, and there may be cultural aspects to this too, right? This pragmatic thing that oh, this is something that we have control over and that we can change easily. Um, mm. That's not universal. You know, that's mm. uh, that uh, you see the world that way.
1: So, I I am uh, just now thinking about a colleague in in England who uh, who was. Uh, in a situation where he needed to convince the local council uh, about a certain project. And one of the things that they had trouble with was um, uh, when um, uh, public officers were running around, you know, uh, emptying garbage for people in their houses, um, uh, they had uh, a number of traffic fatalities that uh, caused people to die. Uh, they were run over during their, doing their job. And um, when he was trying to convince them that they needed to change their ways, he decided to tell a story about one of those uh, employees who died being run over by a truck. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: and I think this this surfaces the, the, the benefits of sharing personal stories. And how they can really add power to this this uh, questioning facilitating uh, skill that we're talking about here,
0: right? Because the uh, again something that can make it present, make it uh, relatable, uh, mm. and wow. so yeah, so the the it it helps again to make give them that presence, right? Mm. That connection.
1: Yeah, it does. And so uh, if we can add personal experiences or the experiences of other people uh, related in short nuggets of stories, you can really tap into their emotional uh, reservoirs. And, and, and when people are uh, personally touched, it's so much easier to help them uh, make good decisions based on a, a collective uh, understanding of of what's best for for us
0: and just to be, be clear here so it's uh, i mean we're talking about creating emotional connections here but it's it's not completely what you'd call pathos because it also you're talking about an example i mean that's also what you have in science right you, a lot of different examples of one thing and out of that you can devise mm. a certain regularity or a rule uh, or a a, uh, a law of nature, uh-huh. uh, or of of so of society that these things happen with regularity. Here's one instance of that, and that's that's not just uh, uh, to create emotional, um, you know, make people cry or so, but it's but it's uh, also logically it just um, helps to frame uh, the issue in a way that you, you see certain. Given certain things, certain outcomes are more likely or probable.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and this is uh, where you're really tapping into my passion. Is is what I'd like to accomplish within you know maybe next twenty years or so is is to help particularly uh, top management uh, in the boardroom, if you will, or in the executive group of leaders, uh, to help them uh, have a good open discussion. And make decisions based on facts as well as feelings. Mm. Uh, that's if, if, if I can make that happen, then uh, I've uh, I feel I've accomplished a little bit of what I've uh, I, my mission, if you will. <laughs>
0: I, I'm I'm passionate about that, like making big de- or good decisions uh, mm. based on an inclusive dialogue, good arguments, etc.
1: Yeah, because and this is this is the power of this is if people really talk together, if they really share true information, then the best decisions are always will always surface, right?
0: I mean, I'm a little bit more skeptical about that uh, because there are a lot of things that play in there. Uh, there can be good information, but there can be competing egos. There can be power plays. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that can still come mm. in in the way, but uh, and people may have a very good process, but still end up making some bad decisions. Uh, but I think the percentage of good decisions will definitely increase.
1: Yeah, the the numbers usually pan out. You know, what I, in so many times, in so many instances where, where I've been in a group of people, maybe somewhere between five or 20 people in the room, uh, I usually will turn to the democracy of the crowd uh, to make the best deliberations on what works and what doesn't work. Because as a group, they will usually find uh, the best solutions. But usually is this the key phrase here, right? I was right? going
0: to say, because uh, obviously uh, uh, one of the big uh, challenges of democracy is to try to prevent the mobocracy, mm. right? Right. Where mm. um, being in a crowd and acting as a crowd, people uh, rather than become elevated, they become dragged down to kind of this... Uh, base mm-hmm. behavior that you see sometimes in football mm-hmm. fans or you see in like crowds or, or mass fighting events or so those uh, things like that, where people that are acting normally and quite are quite elevated human beings, but they're, but just because they're part of this crowd, they get sucked into base behavior, um, that, uh, yeah. you know, so there's, uh, the, a lot of democracy, uh, and de- democratic theory and a lot of work on, on rhetoric, um, is really about not that we, we don't say this this isn't a real threat. it is a real threat uh, but we also know that it works west best when most people participate because this philosopher King uh, notion just doesn't seem to work very well. It always becomes a tyranny. Um, so how exactly. can we make uh, it's like how can we make democracy work uh, in the best possible way?
1: That's an excellent point. Let me share with you an experience that I had. This is me trying to tell a story, right? Mm-hmm. To tap into your and maybe the listeners emotions as well. So I was in Turkey, this is in 2015, I think. And I was with a group of 18 uh, leaders, middle management. And one of the participants was the director of a, of a plant. And we were discussing silent and violent behavior. And in this particular uh, situation, Uh, I I made a statement. I said, if you turn to silent or to violent behaviors, you will gain more problems than you already had. It's not going to work. And then the director, he stood up and he said, yeah, but it works. (laughs) 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 Yeah. and at the moment if if i had let that democracy uh, turn into a mobocracy with was his, his his authority in the room you know people were looking at me and they were they were clearly not going to get involved because if they were going to push back on his authority it, it's, it was going to call uh, call cause them to backfire after the training right so All right you're fired <laughs> yes and in this moment i had to balance the room by being a, a, a um, a brave facilitator to discuss the issue in such a way that he and the others as a group would reach that good uh, healthy perspective on this principle rather than just give in to his, uh, to his standpoint.
0: And because, you know, this is, I mean, and they're speaking probably with some of the background of, you know, what's happening in Turkey, mm-hmm. what's happening in Turkey at that, those times, what's happening now, Erdogan, the kind of strong man dictator, like not dictator, but moving towards Absolutely. authoritarian forms. Uh-huh. Uh, and the the kind of parallel discourse there has always been, well, you either have stability with a mm. strong man or you have this chaos that some people call democracy, but also could be like failed states or, you know, just everyone against everyone, the worst, you know, Hobbes, Hobbesian uh, nightmare. Um <laughs> and yeah. and the and the arguments they constantly use is like look democracy always ends up killing itself athens did uh we may see some signals of that today germany definitely did right or you know yeah. voted in power the people that were the ones to take it down yeah. um that the choice is not between you know Uh, freedom or oppression but really between like absolute chaos and at least some kind of stability Mm -hmm. Um, and culturally you know not everyone is used to democracy and so we take for granted that inclusion is good, participation is good individual freedom is good Mm -hmm. whereas you know some of them have had experiences in their countries like individual freedom is how it starts, it ends up with gangs fighting against each other and nobody respecting authority
1: (laughs) Exactly. And and the way in which I handled this moment, I actually smiled at this director and I said, Wonderful, we have an antithesis, right? So uh, I I love the discussion. And so he knew that I was welcoming his pushback, if you will. And and then in this moment I provided a few examples and then I facilitated a discussion among the, the people in the room uh, to to bring up more more examples. And once we'd surfaced four or five examples uh, one of the other middle managers managers said, "Well, uh, from this we can probably conclude that it doesn't work." Uh, and then we had a fruitful discussion, and eventually, by the time we reached the first break, uh, he went along and he he realized that you know using authority in a in a in a manipulative way was not going to be productive, right.
0: And as also the, the short term and long term perspective, right, on these things. Yes. Like there are a lot of yeah. things that work in the short term. That uh, long term, mm-hmm. you're you're under undermining everything that stands for it. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, to give, um, you told me a little bit about like storytelling. What are what are some of the keys to a good story that is effective?
1: Well, I think uh, storytelling um, is probably one of the the key aspects of facilitation. That I've grown very fond of. I, I knew about stories as a kid. My, my mother told me stories. I mean, you know? We all do, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, I also learned technically about storytelling as a student mm-hmm. uh, when I came in in a in a position where I had to offer training. I had. Kind of I had to arc and
0: stuff training. like that. Yeah.
1: Yes, but then uh, I think seven years ago, my eyes were opened with regards to storytelling in a in a completely different way. Um. We had some training from, uh, uh, in the U.S., Disney Disney storytelling, uh, so-called. From, uh, from and it's,
0: is it like from script writers that kind of, well, this is our kind of concept for a good story, and then you how you can yeah. replicate that?
1: And you, you have different forms of this. You have the, the two-minute version, which I'm really fond of. Uh, I think the two-minute version is probably the one that I use the most. Because if you're a good storyteller, you can go on beyond two minutes, but mm-hmm. to really capture people's attention, two minutes is probably as long as you have them. Right. So. I
0: mean, it depends also if you have a large audience or if you have a small. It like, does. A uh, captive audience.
1: Hmm. And and what I've done is over the years, I've, um, I've actually filmed or made recordings of my own keynote sessions and training events. And if I play them if I fast forward them, I, you can tell that the group is is falling down into their seats when I'm presenting theory and they're getting <laughs> back up in their seats when they hear stories. It's a, it's a wonderful dynamic to
0: watch. Okay, well, uh, at risk of uh, having uh, our audience fall a bit down in their seats, uh, but uh, let's do a little bit of theory first, all right? So uh, as far as, so it has should it be short. should be short, two minutes, right? Try to keep it to the most relevant details. to the point quickly Mm. what else
1: well what i typically do is is when i when i come into a new audience the first thing that i will do is i will try to wow them with uh some sort of research a a key finding that really would mean something to them Mm -hmm. that would be my first step and then secondly i would quickly uh, within minutes i would make sure that that they perceive me as a person Similar to them, I, I will try to um, to get off from my high horse. Uh, not being a, an expert or a researcher or or a famous keynote speaker, mm-hmm. but basically communicate. I'm I'm like you.
0: Okay, so uh, speaking, not down to them, but to them. Yes, kind of try to even the level. Uh,
1: to even the level, because if 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 there is any unequal ground, it's everything that I will do after that is going to fail. So. I want to make sure that, first of all, they know that I have something that is worthwhile listening to. Number two, uh, he he views himself as an equal. And then I will move into storytelling and questioning skills. Um, If if I were to provide an example of how this might work, uh, I I think this was in Hungary. Um, We had a group of 25 uh, middle managers there. And um, in the room was one, you know, you sometimes have those people. In the back of the room, there was one person. He was very antagonistic. (laughs) Um, A person that uh, was going to go against the crowd, whatever I was going to postulate. So,
0: this is is like just one who's thinking in his mind, why am I even at this training? This is a complete waste of time. I
1: I have so much more important things to do. (laughs) And for the fun of it, let me sabotage, right? Right, (laughs) right.
0: If I'm going to be here anyway, I'm just going to, you know, yeah.
1: yeah. uh, Selected enemy, if you will. So, uh, in this particular moment, uh, he, he's, he gives me some pushback on a particular principle. I thought that was uh, a little ludicrous, but then again, I thought, you know, great, wonderful. I, again, we have a we have an opportunity for good discussion. So I gave it to the group. I had them discuss this, and within minutes, he had bu- pushback, but he didn't give up. And at one point, he almost stands up, and he says, you know, I, I, I object to this. You know, this isn't going to work. I, this is not my style, you know, and all that. And eventually... Uh, A a lady uh, on the other end of the room, uh, she gets up and she says, you know, I know this works. And I was thinking, okay, this is getting interesting. (laughs) And then she says, and pointing at me, she says, my husband was in training with this guy three years ago, (laughs) and he completely changed. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, wow, I I need to talk to this lady. (laughs) So, but the the thing was... uh, I thought that was an experience uh, that really brought home to me that if if you're bringing a message, you want to make sure that the message rings true to the group, not only to a few of them. Right. That will cause them to change. Uh, not much else, actually. They, they need to relate and they need to have an experience. Of course, we're going to have to move into action plans and how to do this and to execute. But unless they have that First-hand experience with the material, with the with the theories, and with the the, the type of thinking that we're into—they're uh, never going to change. Hmm. So that's that's one perspective um, that I would bring to 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 successfully facilitate a group to change. Hmm.
0: So <clears throat> the um, I guess the 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 bits the uh, it's a kind of. Uh, go into a bit kind of broader questions here um, mm-hmm. a little bit more about so your job very much is to come to speak to a bunch of strangers mm-hmm. and you have some principles uh, from Vital Smarts, Crucial Conversations and so on um, that you want to relate to them um, mm-hmm. in a way that they'll accept those principles and then try to apply them themselves to to improve how they communicate in, in the workplace and and in their lives hmm. um what do you find to be <coughs> i guess uh we've talked a little bit already but uh what what um what are some things that can make this fail sometimes
1: well i think there's there's two principles that i would highlight um number one if you're going into the to a room with with strangers and you would like to cause them to change uh, if you can you would like to switch that one-time event to a process um Mm. uh, just from from your students perspective right if you if you're going to work with with colleagues and you're going to convince them look at the process instead of the event Mm. that's first principle i think
0: and so sometimes i guess what you're saying there is if i understand correctly is that um Mm. you may not be able to make that much of a change because it's just not enough time uh you can have impact but then the next day they're just the same or or uh Mm
1: my experience exactly and so um, whenever a client allows me to uh, I will want them to step into a process rather than an event Um, try to influence change over time rather than do so just during one day or a particular seminar or workshop
0: of course it takes time and that's more expensive
1: (laughs) yeah and and that's that's why I would also give them financial incentives to to prefer the process rather than
0: because they yeah. they may have more lasting change. Yes. Okay. Well, what's the yeah. other principle that you said that uh, could so, prevent the process from functioning?
1: So the other the other principle would be um, the six sources of influence. Uh, because I think if if you look at yourself as as one person, one event, um, if you're going to influence them, you will want to equip them with tools that allow them to actually change Uh, what we know from research is that most of us uh, when we approach something that we'd like to change in our lives we are outnumbered so we're outnumbered by all the sources that are influencing us and if you're going to only tap into one source as a speaker you will fail and they will fail and uh, nobody's you know left the better so uh, could you give an example of that so I have one participant. Okay, he uh, he comes to me in in the middle of training, crucial conversations training. We, we're taking a break, and he says, "You know, my 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 marriage is about to fail. Uh, I don't think I will uh, see beyond a year uh, within my my marriage, and there's going to be a divorce." Yeah. Uh, and says, can you give me advice? And one of the things that. I no pr- no to, pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not a, something that happens just a few times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of times this happens because people are struggling in their marriages. That's what i found. Mm. And so you're thinking to yourself, okay, how can I have an impact on this person? And what I've realized is, is if, first of all, make it a process. So I will tell that person, you know, you can call me anytime. This, you don't have to commit to only have this one conversation with me. I will make myself available to you free of charge uh, call me anytime. I will make it a process uh, because'm I'm, if I'm sincere about this, I will I will put effort into it.
0: Okay so personal commitment
1: yeah that's that's the beginning. Then secondly, I will try to equip that person with with an opportunity to actually change and and willpower we know is the one that we are turning to which usually fails. Uh, i think it was 98% of all I new
0: to year- try harder. Yeah, yeah
1: yes yeah 98% of all new year resolutions are, are are a failure because people simply bring it down to willpower and that's it, that's it mm-hmm. so i'll try to equip that person with with more than one influential power so that they can actually change in their marriage in their work or position or whatever you know adventure they would like to to explore
0: and so when it fails maybe because there's just there's not more than that, really. That's just uh, and yeah. uh, there, there's it doesn't. Bec- there's no system no. that they that they adopt from from the principles that you teach. I guess is what you say, because it's it's like yes, I have the principles, but I don't have any kind of foundation or any kind of uh, building uh, of habits. Mm-hmm. Times to review this. Times to revisit these principles. Uh, Times for applying, reevaluating. Well,
1: maybe I could share one experience that I had in Kosovo. I, there was a, a participant there. He 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 was he was uh, as a group we were just exploring the six influences of 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 uh, the powers of influence sources of influence rather, and he said to me, you know, I was a soldier, I was a sergeant, and my my uh, team we were going up this particular hill and this this, uh, long trip. And at the end of the day, I was exhausted. I, I was completely left out of strength. And when I opened my backpack, I found six big rocks that my team had put into my backpack. (laughs) And at this stage she says, you know, I just realized that this was not a joke. They were trying to punish me for being harsh on them. Right? Right. And in this moment, he says, I discovered that I needed to change my style. Uh, and we were talking about social pressures. We were talking about uh, leadership skills. We were talking about providing support. We were talking about incentives. We were talking about uh, tools and um, surroundings and um, all of these sources. And, and this is one of the things that he brought to the table is, You know, I needed to change my style. I need to make friends with my, with my, uh, teammates mm. rather than, then step on them and, and, and violate be, their ego. Just be their commander. Yeah. You know, we had a f- very fruitful discussion there. And I think uh, this group, they left the room skilled and, and, uh, uh equipped with tools to make actual changes. So I guess that's, that's a long story short.
0: So I guess, Uh, one thing that they find a bit challenging i guess uh, just thinking of my own style and the way I approach things mm. um compared to uh, i say like you're much you're a much more charismatic speaker in many ways uh and uh, the way than than i am uh I'm more reserved and I think part of it is this kind of uh, ability to or or willingness to be vulnerable, Mm. right? Uh, Because you do open up yourself and I'm sure, I'm sure you've also had some experiences where this opening up yourself has not always been reciprocated. um, And you do open up yourself for, I don't know, scorn rebuttal uh, Mm. for, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very intimate space to be in this kind of, uh, not motivational, I won't say you're a motivational speaker, but, you know, but uh, where you are trying to inspire people to change. Mm-hmm. And there are people there of all uh, kind of backgrounds, uh, including mm-hmm. some egoistic and self-absorbed <laughs> narcissistic people. Um, and for, for me, it's like I, I always have, uh, not always, but, you know, I, I have uh, much more of distance i guess emotional distance between me and the audience even when i like i'm emotionally engaging it's not necessarily specifically about me and a personal weakness or a uh, mm-hmm. challenge that i've had that's that seems like it goes too, almost too close you know
1: yeah yeah well i'm glad you're bringing this up because uh, you know I, I don't want to sound like I'm always succeeding. I, I don't. I, I've failed miserably many times, uh, but I think what you're saying too rings true. Because uh, if you if you go out on that limb and you and you open up and you take the risk of being vulnerable, uh, then the opportunity, the 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 times that you actually succeed and succeed well in reaching people in their hearts, not just their brains. Um, it, it increases so the number of times you, you succeed increases I, I
0: guess it. it also depends a bit on the stage right cause, because um, mm-hmm. say you're on a political stage right Uh, I, where you know you have uh, a mm-hmm. speech and then there's the kind of the counter speech from one of the other parties or the opponent that's a very different kind of space than this uh, say you have a hotel room or a large conference room but it's still kind of you're all mm-hmm. there together, and you, except for the ones, the responses that you invite from the audience, mm-hmm. you have authority over that space, right? You've been, yeah. and you've been granted a certain amount of credibility by the very fact that this organization has hired you. So, okay, well, the yeah. boss has def- obviously sanctioned this and this expenditure, so it must be a good, you know, it must be good at what he's doing. You have some initial credibility there, and and there's it also is a little bit more of a trusting space could you say
1: yeah absolutely
0: that allows a bit more of uh, trust than than you could in in other fora right yeah or would you say like it's you could do the same thing in any kind of situation that's a hard one. It's a hard one.
1: I think uh, my my colleague, Joseph Rennie, says it well. He says, I'm, I'm here to bless, not impress, right? And and I think uh, w- when I go into a room, I sometimes think to myself, okay, given the circumstances, today is the only opportunity I have to reach the people in the room. I will most likely never see them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that scenario, I, I ask myself, okay, how can I make sure that I'm not only great, that I'm not not only leaving a, a, an amazing impression but that we make this an exceptional opportunity and, and that that sets the bar high and that that will cause me to do even surprise myself in the in in a in a situation where I will share and teach and and it's I think it surfaces as as a lot of energy people will come to me and say you know you have so much energy Vita. but <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. it's 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 a natural thing because I really want to to help them have an experience rather than just you know be impressed by some lunatic from Norway you know coming in.
0: I guess that touches a little bit on the on the other point I wanted to go into is that you know there are a lot of different kind of speaking styles um, and when I've observed you at your very best, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. the, your speaking style I would describe as as charismatic you know mm. it's like uh, you know at the very best like it's like you become larger than yourself yeah. uh you have it's very clear that it's not an act or like mm. a very real perf- good performance in any way mm. uh there's there's vulnerability there connection um and uh, uh, you know i would definitely like describe it as mm. um yeah this this is sim- more similar to certain evangel- evangelical preachers or <laughs> or you could say <laughs> as you say in Norway. Um uh, <laughs> the uh, charismatic speakers uh the the way you describe them rather than the more <laughs> say measured, informative, uh or <laughs> or persuasive in the way that's more distant. Yeah
1: well um what's your
0: what's your experience of it perhaps i guess it's my my question and like Mm -hmm. how does it feel in that moment and how do you build up to it or is it more of kind of an almost unconscious thing and it's like now it just happens
1: i think and i think i've moved into a lot of unconscious skill for sure but seven years ago i had a discovery uh that changed the way i do things i think um I discovered that if after a speaking opportunity, one or more in the audience, if they perceive me as a hero or a celebrity or someone, you know, special even, uh, I've failed. I think that the the times that I've succeeded is when someone comes up to me afterwards and can relate on an equal level, uh, perceiving me as. Someone who is simply just caring. Um, you know, I could turn it around, and I could say if after a speaking opportunity I feel I need to bring myself down or to uh, uh, calm down. Even if, if for some reason I feel uh, as if I'm floating a little higher than other people, uh, then I failed. That's that's my my decision criteria of success or failure uh, these so days.
0: How, how do you? Do that because there's a certain Mm. dynamic when Mm. you're in the situation and you're sharing uh, principles, people are kind of applying it. You have these stories, Mm. um, and they notice you're doing something, and you're doing something that can be very powerful and Mm. that can almost, it, it almost can't help but build, relate to you and kind of build you up in their eyes. Um, and, you know, uh, sometimes I think these, you know, you talk, talk about, like, cult followings and stuff like that. Sometimes very, it happens very involuntarily, right? It's like, uh, like, uh. it's almost like more of a, an effect of the mass rather than the speaker. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. The mass of people rather than the speaker. So so what do you do to, like, to consciously deflate this uh, balloon, I guess, of that that keeps building under a, such a process?
1: Yeah, uh, I think there's a number of things, uh, a, a large number of things that I do. Let me give you a few examples just to illustrate, because uh, general principles will not cut it here, I think. Number one, I will, I will share uh, a balanced uh, number of failures as well as successes in storytelling. Mm-hmm. I will provide examples of how I fail. Uh, and, and so that people will see that, Oh, okay. He's, he's a human person doing, you know, as, as many stupid mistakes as I have, or even, or even more. Making yourself Um, again,
0: vulnerable is kind of like, so some people could look at that as like what an idiot, right? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Right. So I will also balance the number of stories that I share from business perspectives and business life and, and from my own personal life. I think that does matter too. Um, another thing is, is I would typically, depending on the, on the size, size of the group, I would sit down. Instead of just standing, I will sit down as part of crucial moments in discussion where the, I, I will leave the, the, the authoritarian facilitator role to whoever feels like speaking. And, and people will know that, that I've abdicated my role as someone who decides who says what. Uh, and for just for brief moments even that that will make a with, difference with
0: the fragility that comes with that and the potential vulnerability yeah? yes absolutely
1: if someone dominates too much i will stand up again and, and re, re um, reassert that my uh, my position uh, also i will i will sometimes uh, highlight mistakes that i made so i had a speaking opportunity for a crowd of people i had my glass in front of me and then for some stupid reason i picked the wrong glass and i took a sip of water and and I said, oh, sorry, I took the wrong glass and that, you know, of course that had everybody laugh, but it also showed them that I make stupid mistakes, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so would, if, will you share with them like, so I'm <laughs> feeling really nervous right now or like, uh, or, you know, sometimes, or, you know, I don't know, what, uh, will you be it, it like, I, honest about those things or will you try to have like, uh, I guess...
1: I would. Great. Greater honesty is is more vulnerable, right? So it's always good.
0: Uh, I will seek opportunities I mean, to there, there apologize. Are, there are limits, right? There are limits to this. <laughs> I'm also really <laughs> self conscious about my body odor. I'm
1: <laughs> for sure. For, and then just apologizing, sincerely apologizing for anything that might go wrong, is I think is is uh, very effective. Uh, it's also very sincere. Um, what I've also discovered is that. Uh, um, when I, when I meet with a group, I, I don't, I don't get nervous anymore. Uh, I guess that's because I, um, so that wouldn't be a thing that I could, would confess. But what I would confess is, is something like, uh, today I'm really anxious because I know that there is two executives in the room and they might not be open to what I have to share. <laughs> All right. Uh, that might be a, a, a something that might make me anxious. Or I would even say that today we have four different nationalities in the room. And I know that, you know, people from Turkey might not be uh, all that congruent or compatible with people from Israel uh, or whatever. <laughs> oh goodness, you know. yeah. So you, you have those
0: <laughs> situations. All right. Um, sure. The, uh, so, oh, yeah. Sorry. You were going yeah. to finish.
1: No. So basically what I'm saying is is any opportunity I have to, to – open up about real issues, uh, is I think a key strength.
0: So, yeah. So in order kind of to debunk the Superman myth, is you saying? Yeah. Uh, would you also then talk about failures in applying these specific principles?
1: Sure. That that's key. I think, uh, Uh, people need to know that uh, when you're trying to acquire new skills or apply new theories or research or principles uh, you're going to fail and and if you can show people that uh, the path to success is laid with failure then uh, they will see that uh, I I think it gives them hope
0: because uh, obviously like personal commitment and people that actually live what they preach I mean that's uh, that's another thing that's kind of that helps to build the, the charismatic leaders like, wow, he's done it and I can follow that path. Right. Uh, as they, them. So showing mm. like your stumbles, I guess, on that path.
1: <laughs> mm. And I'm glad you mentioned it because there's, there's nothing like a trainer, uh, that, that actually lives what he preached, right. Preaches. So mm. if, if you, if you, for some reason, uh, surface as someone, uh, insincere or, not true to your own message, um, you lose all power. Um, do
0: you find that, I guess, um, my experience with with, you and with other speakers like that, the ones who do it well, mm. is that you feel this great love <laughs> emanating from that person. Um, mm. But... Don't you feel it sometimes a little bit difficult to care? <laughs> like realize all people, like you know, when we're when we're grumpy or when things are going wrong in our own lives or when when perhaps we're feeling physically yeah. in pain. I don't know you've got some back problems. Uh, mm. During those times, sometimes it's like, oh, no, I'm supposed to care about this, but
1: mm.
0: what about me? You know, <laughs> or like, or, or I was like, ah, oh, I feel like I don't. I'm supposed to do this, but I don't feel like I can. It's empty. Don't huh. you ever run out?
1: Sure, I, you have good days and bad days. But um, what I think though is that even the worst of days. I, I remember one trip I had to Saudi Arabia. I had a slip disc in my back, you know, and, and uh, the pains was the pain was excruciating. I, I'll, I'll never forget that trip. Um, but I, I guess when you Perform and or whatever you're doing to to help people be inspired, uh, you forget about yourself. It sounds a little childish or even moralistic, maybe. But I I do I forget myself in in this effort to really uh, inspire people, uh, and I'll I'll never forget that trip simply because uh, we had some amazing discussions in the room, and and uh, at one point in time, I forgot my pain. It was just wasn't there. Um, you know, moments later, I found myself in my hotel room uh, almost screaming of pain, but
0: <laughs> it's... Uh, but during the time, you were kind of like lifted out of yourself, kind of thing. Like. Yes,
1: almost, almost as it were. That's well, a uh, rush, right?
0: It <laughs> not, is. Well, not quite a drug, but, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, there's uh, definitely a rush to public speaking. Uh, sometimes that is elevated again because it's a... F- situation that Mm. has some fear in it right even for you like you you may not be nervous in front of crowds but there's Mm. there's pressure there's you know if if i Mm. you know especially if it's an important client if they have a very bad experience you know Mm. then that's that work opportunity gone for the next 10 years yes it is
1: and i think for for me uh, what i usually do when i come into a room i don't I don't see the people in the room necessarily. I look beyond the people in the room. And that's really what inspires me when I look at a boss or a director or an executive, I look at the people that that person will work with. And I'm thinking to myself, how can I help the person that this person might be you know, he might be, he or she might be a a manipulative, micromanaging boss. How can I help that person change? And how can I help that person be a better husband or a, a better wife or a mother or a father? Ah, uh, because I see the children of the people in the room, and I'm thinking to myself, how can I help them actually change, not just have an inspiring experience?
0: So you have like this almost vision.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I do. It's it's natural to me. It comes natural. I I, I think to myself, who who am I really affecting with with the the few moments that we have together?
0: Because mm-hmm. because I have to keep thinking, like there are definitely people that I, i'm thinking of that i could make them a good speaker but i don't think that could ever make them enjoy it <laughs> 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 you know like your your line of work is not for everyone i think <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i think i think that the key issue here is is does your work or your position your role does it uh, overlap with your mission right for for me i i feel my mission is to to help people to make a difference like we began with this this morning and and uh if if i if i'm in that situation i think to myself wow i get to do this this is a i'm blessed with an opportunity to do exactly what i love the most uh that those are the moments that we really love love doing what we are doing right
0: i guess i'd like to ask you then uh we haven't talked a whole lot about the principles and we we can't cover them here but uh, about what you're teaching but if there was like a magic wand that you had Hmm. and you could just like flick it and everyone would learn this lesson, like or download this lesson into their brains. <laughs> yeah. What lesson uh, would that be that could most that you feel like could most change their lives immediately?
1: Uh, well, there's a number of different lessons that I could take, but if I were to pick only one, um, at this point, I think I would uh, use the the opportunity to, to share with that individual that you have six sources of influence available to you at any given time that can help you actually change. Uh, and with that, I mean not only your willpower, but you have the help of learning particular skills, that's source two. You have the help of other people, the support from others, sources three and four. You have the opportunity to give yourself uh, a. a a reward or a punishment if you don't do what you meant to do. And then for, and sixth but not last is, is you have the opportunity to make use of tools or skills or skill sets or, or even environment uh, to to actually change something. And, and I think the, the greatest blessing of a human life is to actually change something about yourself, something that you found very difficult to change but that you'd like to change. It might be even a very small thing.
0: It feels like a good place to stop, but there's one more question I'd like to ask you because I also teach a course in cross-cultural communication. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems that an unspoken... There are a few things that are kind of at the basis of what you're teaching and how you're teaching Mm -hmm. that are unspoken or maybe spoken, I don't know, but it seems like unspoken principles. But... Are kind of there as a foundation, and we talked a little bit about like democracy, right? The the this idea that more people should be able to participate, that you persuade people, you don't rule or dominate over them. Um, mm. And the second that um, that love and understanding is the preferred form and the best form of human interaction and relationships. Mm. Have you had any challenges um, considering that you work in the Middle East mm. as, as well as Europe? Mm. Uh, have you had any challenges getting buy-in to to those ideals? Have you had those challenged?
1: I've been surprised to find that uh, individually, People across cultures are very much the same. Uh, I thought that, you know, being prejudiced as I am, like anyone else, that if I were to come into Turkey or to Saudi Arabia or Qatar or whatever, you know, country that I've been to, I would find different types of people. Uh, I think they find themselves in different cultures but individually I've it's my personal experience people are very much the same uh, and I've been surprised uh, a number of times by that
0: so we're maybe not quite as different as we uh, sometimes seem to be or sometimes I, look like looks like we are
1: I think so that's I've grown to appreciate um, and belief in, my belief in individuals has grown over the years that's for sure
0: All right. Well, that's uh, a very good place to stop. Uh, So uh, (laughs) thank you. uh, Thank you for joining us here. Any last words that you'd like to uh, uh, impart?
1: Well, if I were to end with one thing, you know, some people might think that uh, that authenticity is just a tool for manipulation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the, The worst cynic among us might say that, but I think uh, Joseph Grenny's um, wonderful uh, definition of manipulation is great. I, would you want, like, like to cite that, uh, David? You know it I as mean, well as I do?
0: Yeah, so manipulation, and I've, I've used this earlier when I was talking about Daniel Schutz. but uh, manipulation is that which stops working as soon as the other person understands what you're doing.
1: I mean, that's gold. That's gold right there. Um. So, yeah.
0: So, because oh. at the basis... And manipulation is a lie, right? Mm, That's the yeah. thing where it's, uh, you know, like, um, and if you uncover the lie, then it stops mm. working.
1: Yeah. And then if you are authentic, if you really are sincere about what you're doing, it, most skills will serve in your favor. Yeah.
0: Great. All right. Thank you for joining us for the uh, Rhetorical Leadership Podcast. And uh, thank you. Special thanks for Vida Top. And, uh, Hope you join us again for uh, your listeners for uh, more insights on how you can lead people through persuasion rather than by force or by being the boss or the tyrant alone.